It is just me, GTG, flying solo on this episode. And what do you think about this song? That's right. I uh, put that together. I figured I kind of need an intro song. And I like the way it turned out. So that is what I'm going to use for every intro to every new episode. So hopefully you like it. I kind of like it. But here we go, guys. Episode 8. Six years and a sorcerer's tower. I think is that's what I'm going to name this uh the title of this pod or this episode, um, because I have officially reached six years of playing this game. I've been tapping on that black mirror, tapping on that glass for six plus years by this point. But anyways, we will get into that uh, near the end of this episode. The main focus of this is going to be about the Sorcerer's Tower. Um, but before we get into that, there's a little bit of news we should we should probably mention. Um, Classic Jade is now available. That was one of the new characters. I think everybody kind of knew that she was already available, or was she, that she was coming, not that she was available, but that she was coming. So she is now available uh, in the store, and obviously, you guys, this is a business, so it was no, dis- no surprise to me to see that her pack was actually um, available for uh, $10, but you only had 20% chance of getting her. So my theory, or my belief on those types of marketing and those types of packs, I just don't I try not to play into those because I don't like buying things that aren't for sure. That's just kind of a good like lesson in life, really, uh, for everyone. So I try not to do that. Um, I will wait till she's available for souls or if you can actually get a solid copy of her. Um, that would be worth it for me because I know what I'm getting. Um, so anyways, she's available. She looks pretty cool. With With the release of her, I really have a feeling that or just a sense that they may be coming out with a classic tower in the future here. I would love to see a classic tower. I've said this in the last couple episodes, um, even in some of the videos that I put out. But a classic tower would be amazing, especially if they could actually put like the old school graphics in for the boss fights. I'm not talking just like the retrocade background, but the actual like MK1 background with even like the health bars, the way they, they go down, uh, just everything, the timer at the top. If they could somehow replicate that or even just like a 
a semi version of that, I think that would be amazing and just kind of like really honor uh, the history um, of Mortal Kombat. Not to mention, for a classic tower, you almost have to do something like that, in my opinion. Another thing to get kind of off, uh, off before we start down that Sorcerer's Tower um, road is my uploads and my schedule <laughs> are so messed up. You're probably wondering why it's been so long since I've been able to put one of these uh, episodes out. Uh, I just have a really busy life, you guys. Apologize for that. This is um, something I love to do. I love to try to get out and uh, communicate with all you guys and put out um, awesome content that hopefully you're enjoying. Um, but yeah, I just have a busy life. I can, obviously, I have a family that uh, comes first before anything. Then I have my full-time job, which comes second. And then I'm also trying to um, start a coffee store with my wife. So that is another thing that I'm taking on. But then, of course, I do have this passion that I love to do. Um, so unfortunately, this kind of takes the backseat while I'm, you know, working through those other things. But anyways, just thought I'd like kind of reach out to you guys just so you weren't like lost on what the hell have I been doing all this time. No, I've been uh, busting my butt. But anyways, let's let's get past that. Now, you know. And now we are on to the Sorcerer's Tower. It ends on June 10th. We got that notification a while back. And uh, yeah, I just kind of wanted to go through my review of it, basically. So what like, what teams was I, was I using? What were some of my strategies? What were some of the really uh, annoying fights? And what were my rewards? Like, were they good, bad? We'll get into that. But let's first start off by talking about the teams that I used. Now, with every tower... I'm not really sure what characters are going to work the best as I climb up that tower. Um, but for this one, I kind of stuck with an MK11 crew uh, mainly. And actually, you guys, I split my teams up into two different groups. So I had one team that I used strictly for non-boss fights. I found out it worked really well. And then I actually evolved another team or just learned from uh, listening to other players and uh, trying things on my own that there was a second team I used for boss fights. So we're going to start off by talking about the team that I used for my non-boss fights, and that consisted of all MK11 characters, MK11 Sub-Zero, MK11 Raid, and MK11 Jade. Now, they all worked pretty well together, and that is um, the passives. The passives were really what saved me, so let's start talking about that. So, obviously, Sub-Zero's is Polar Vortex. Now, with that, he is going to um, induce Frostbite uh, every 8 seconds, but what really, really helped was the ice clone that he um, supplies to each of the other characters. That is really what saved me because there were some modifiers in some of those higher fights that were like, it only takes one and those ice clones had saved me a lot of times. The only time that it really didn't save me a lot were if uh, it was like a Day of the Dead uh, group, you know, and that counted as a uh, revive. And so they start healing, but that wasn't too bad. Okay, so some of the equipment that I was using with MK11 Sub-Zero, obviously I had my Quietly Scepter on there. I had Living Dead Armor attached to him just in case he got his health down there where he got knocked out, he would come back. I would have that ability to come back and still have my Ice Clones for the other two characters. One of the best pieces of equipment, one of the best uncommons in the game, the Ice Bomb, I always started with, with him uh, equipped with that, so that really helped out. That was just some of the equipment that I had on him. Now, going on to uh, team member number two, that was MK11 Raiden with his passive, Relentless God. Uh, the 50% stun on Combo Under was really nice to have because it works really well. It works really well. In fact, when you do stun, 
an opponent with his stun, you have a chance to go through two basic attacks, basically. So you can charge up your power before that person, that other uh, character, is going to get out of that stun phase. So that's pretty nice. But the biggest thing was immunity to power drain. Having the ability to not lose power when they're trying to siphon it from you is awesome. So he worked really well. I had his um, brutality gear equipped to him, which worked out pretty good because I was able to um, have a brutal ending um, in quite a few matches. So it was just nice to have that ability uh, when the other characters got down to a certain health level to uh, initiate the brutality if I needed it. Um, the third and probably most valuable character on that non-boss fight team is MK11 Jade. She is just a beast. Just an insane beast. Uh, her passive, Embracing the Shadow, is just amazing. So she has a 25% chance to dodge um, basic attacks. On top of that, I also gave her the Varen's Jacket. So now she ha has ability to even evade more attacks. So she was invisible for most of the fight, is what it seemed like. But the best part of her passive that really helped my team out, because of two new modifiers, which I'll talk about here in a second, were, was um, the Reverse D.O.T. So her plus her teammates um, heal from damage over time. That does not count for dark magic, by the way, just for damage over time. And the reason it was so valuable was because we had two new modifiers, one of them being Toxic Bomb, which is your whole, um, your uh, active characters affected by poison damage time until the bomb goes off, and then that damages all characters. When that happens, they just start healing, which is awesome. So that helped out. And then the next one being Inferno. Now, I don't think this modifier was there for the Shira Ryu Tower, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I, th I thought this was new. Anyways, basically, your tagged-in character um, is affected by fire uh, damage over time every few seconds. So really, in all in all, that actually helped my characters more than it hurt them. Um, so that was my strategy. I mean, I just started off with MK11 Sub-Zero, hitting them hard with that um, Ice Bomb and Quietly Scepter, and he also had uh, Shao Kahn's Hammer, the Wrath Hammer, so he would immediately hit them hard with an SP2, um, then I would tag in Raiden. He would just do most of the damage, honestly. I think he did most of the damage throughout the whole entire non-boss fight matches. And then, obviously, Jade would come in and just finish him off. And Snare. Snare was so huge, especially with those health regen fights. Snare was an absolute must. So that, is, that was my team in the non-boss fight matches. Now, going on to um, boss fights. Now, boss fights, I tried my MK11 team. And you would think in your head that that should take care of a boss fight. If you can take care of any of those other ones and how well they just work together with their synergy, um, it actually didn't. I was really surprised. Just the amount of damage I was doing just wasn't enough to take on. Even like fight 60 of the Fatal Tower, it just wasn't doing enough. So I had to change it up, and I took a page straight out of uh, Man of No Game 45 playbook, and I put together a team of Injustice 2 Raiden and Classic Liu Kang, and then I added in Classic Ermac. Now, Classic Ermac is just kind of like an unsung hero of this team because his passive Soul Siphon just did crazy amount of damage in the background. That's where his magic works. Uh, it just does damage over and over and over to those bosses. And by the time they tag in, you don't have as much work to do. Now, I'm not going to say it's, it's like a game changer by any means, but it definitely alleviates the pain of having like them come in fully charged up so basically you it's if you've seen man with no games uh fights using this team then you kind of know the tactic that i use but basically in just two raid and you get up to his sp2 and you just snare that opponent 
as well as doing damage to the other characters. So you're kind of doing double damage over time to everyone just because of um, his SP2 plus Ermac special. Um, then you work him over with, work them over with, and just to raid for a while, you get classic uh, Liu Kang in there and get up to his SP2 and just drop the hammer literally and just crush him with crazy critical damage. Um, I should say that I did build my talent tree to um, buff up and to really help me with my critical hit damage so that really helped play into this team as well so i had it before where it was helping me with like frozen opponents and it just wasn't really doing much so i, I kind of geared it towards this team but anyway so classic Luke King gets in there does some crazy amount of damage then if you have to get classic ermac in there his sp2 also snares does a crazy amount of damage as well and uh, if he gets hit and gets taken out, then, oh well, he does damage on his way out. So, really a solid team. It was working really good for me, and uh, I will forever probably keep that in my teams to use whenever the Sorcerer's Tower comes around again. So, with that, let's get into the different fights that were kind of annoying, I should say. So, there were a couple that stuck out uh, really well for me. Uh, 60, actually, on the Fatal was my first taste of what the other tower or other fights were going to be. 60 was pretty hard for being below 100. I thought 60 was pretty hard. Uh, that was only the first time up. Now, obviously, you kind of learn as you go up the, the next couple times how to defeat it. But that was my first taste. Um, the main one being 160 Fatal. That thing was just a pain in the ass. If you don't remember, it was um, all Black Dragon. You had Aaron Black, Cabal, and Tremor. And Aaron Black was probably... Between him, actually, they all were. I was gonna, I was gonna say Aaron Black was probably the worst, but they all were. They were all a pain in the ass. They, you just couldn't get them down to a health where you could take care of them because they were healing by doing damage because of the equipment that they had on. So the first one, I think it took me eleven times. It was just a pathetic. It was, uh, it was. I was pretty mad. And this might be a good time just to mention too, like the frustration level that some of these fights can bring you. Uh, for me, anyways can be crazy like I for whatever reason I just get really mad and I did some research and I listened to some other podcasts and I found out that in these games in really all kind of mobile games there's a there's a level of difficulty that needs to be present for them to make money um, so in this version for MK mobile in the towers there will be fights that kind of put the brakes on the, the average player put put a little uh difficulty and a little friction and what they're trying to do is push you to buy equipment now it might be pretty obvious to a lot of you that that's what's happening but if you get a chance this is this is pretty interesting if you get a chance there is a another podcast out there called the mobile game dev playbook take a listen to that especially episode number 10 game economy design and monetization with the mobile game doctor that is really going to put a lot of things in perspective as far as why you're seeing these difficult matches, why they're marketing these packs to you the way they do. And it just really opened up the whole the whole view of mobile games to me in a way that I'd never seen before. So if you get take a look at that, it might help out. So just throwing that out there. So 160, obviously, was a pain in the ass. Uh, another one, 195. That actually seemed pretty hard too. Circle Shadow Jax Briggs, Circle Shadow Quan Chi, or Tournament Quan Chi as I remember him. And Black Dragon, Aaron Black. That one, the modifiers were health regeneration and they were enraged. So this was a really good 
reason to have MK11 Jade and that snare available because you could get them down to a certain health, they might tag out, and then by the time they tag back in, they're back at full health. So you, ha you have to have that snare available so you can lock them in, take them down slowly, and then get to the next one and repeat that process. We're lucky that the modifier wasn't a time because that would have really screwed me up. But anyways, those were two that were really recognizable for me that were kind of uh, pain in the ass. Now I will say like anything basically above 180 could have been viewed as that if you didn't have a strong roster or if you're kind of a new uh, player. But for the veteran players, I think those were two maybe that stuck out for most people, definitely for me. So let's move on to rewards. Now I will say rewards weren't too bad in my case. I know they're different for everyone, but you guys, I got two random epic drops. I don't think that's ever happened on any tower ever that I played and I played all the towers. I've heard of people even getting, what was it, four random epic drops? That's crazy. Um, my uncommons were maxed by the third round up. I think that was probably the, the same for everyone. Um, I got all but one rare maxed, and it was the Viper Hood. So I really want to get that Viper Hood maxed if it's possible before the end of the tower. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. And tons of gold card sellbacks. So, I mean, I saw so many gold cards that for, for the average player would really help them. Oh, and not to mention rare equipment. Not, not tower-specific rare equipment, but just rare equipment in general. ton of sellbacks on that, too. So hopefully that would help a player that was, was needing those equipment pieces um, getting them. All right, so what else? Okay, I finally maxed out Classic Goro. I got him at the end of 200. He's maxed out. That was a thing I've been wanting to do for a couple of years now, so that was nice. Uh, I got a noob Cybot on uh, normal 200, so I'll take that. I mean, that he's hard to get for me because I don't have time to play uh, Survivor Mode or Faction Wars. Um, let's see. Oh, and I finally did get Shang Tsung. He did appear. I will have one more chance to try to get him while I'm recording this, but we'll see if he appears. Um, I got a lot of sellbacks from Fatal 200. So. But anyways, I was glad to get that. I did get all of the uh, equipment to do the brutalities on both for both Shang Tsung and Reptile. I do like the brutalities. I think they're pretty cool. It's fun to see those. Um, but yeah, so overall, I think... I think it was a pretty fun tower overall. Um, it was definitely better than the Cold War tower. I will say that as far as difficulty and as far as, as, far as rewards. So hopefully hopefully we can kind of see that repeated in the next tower, which again, you guys, I think might be the classic tower. I'm just saying. I don't know anything like about that, but it could be a classic tower or maybe a strike force tower. Okay, so going on six years, you guys. I have been playing this crazy game for six years, 2,190 days. Um, and that was back on April 10th. So now it's June whatever. So yeah, June 6th today. So yeah, even longer by now. But I've had a ton of fun playing this game, meeting a ton of cool people from all over the world. And it's just been a blast. And I guess some of the main things that kind of like stick out for me are obviously meeting you guys and gals and talking to you. Um, another thing that I really enjoyed doing over these last six years are making just like the funny kind of stupid videos that I do. One of them in particular is the one about store wars so if you're a veteran to this game you remember what it was like pre 2.0 so when that happened that changed a lot of the players um, opinions about the game and the way that they perceive the game so i the only the best way for me to kind of like explain it for what i was feeling was happening was to put it in a stupid video and that's exactly what i did so if you get a chance maybe check that out it's on my youtube channel just look for um Maybe I'll put the, the link to it um, in this video, but if you go to my channel, Game Time Gaming, you can find it. It's called Mortal Kombat Mobile 
uh, WTF happened. So what the you know what happened? Store Wars. So check that out. It's kind of a just a play on what I kind of think uh, happened or transpired. But with that, I think that's I think that's gonna wrap this episode up. Um, hopefully, we should have news of what's coming next here pretty soon. Uh, obviously, there's gonna be a new tower. I'm gonna expect some more characters. I'm gonna imagine, and yeah. I think we're going to get some more classic characters. That's my guess. I really They're gearing up to something to do with classics. That's, if I were to put money on it, that's what I'm putting down. So you guys and gals, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the MK Mobile Podcast. And stay tuned because I will try to get more out as soon as possible. My goal, actually you guys, my goal would be to do one every week. Now, I think that's probably not going to happen, but it's something to shoot for, right? So with that, everybody, thank you all for listening, and we will catch you on the next one. Bye. Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the MK Mobile Podcast. The MK Mobile Podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify. And if you like this content, don't forget to subscribe to me on YouTube as well as follow me on Twitter at GameTimeGaming1, where you'll find MK Mobile information, gameplay, and more. 